Traylon Burks. Juwan Jennings. All right, my comp was Jerry Rice, but what? the next one. Hold on. <laughs> Don't, you listen, stop questioning the process. We actually got these from RGPFS. Welcome into the Titans 10 for March 30th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports and the 440 Podcast Network. Joined, as always, by James Foster of No Flags Film. James, would you rather have hot dogs for fingers or sweat tomato sauce? Um, I feel like sweating tomato sauce I would probably go with. Um, I mean, Every time dog- you sweat, people would, would run screaming. Yeah, I would just have to uh, not be active, which honestly, like, wouldn't change very much. But true, uh, <laughs> true. Just be sedentary, or or work out in like a very private home gym. And other than that, you just can't sweat. I would basically just have to hope that my God-given high metabolism that I currently have <laughs> never falls off. Never goes away. That's how that. That's how that works. You get older, and the metabolism flatlines, never changes. Well, that's one of many questions we're going to be answering today because today's episode is our first mailbag episode. We'll be doing those about once a week, I'd say, probably for the next couple of weeks, at least up until the draft. We know you guys have a lot of questions, and that question was courtesy of at Canadian underscore Titan on Twitter. Uh, The rest of these questions are, in fact, football and Titans related. So let's just dive right into them uh, because we got a really great set of them uh, for this first episode. We're prioritizing the questions, which we got three of from Apple podcast reviews. We said this when we sent out the all call for questions on Twitter. And it's true. If you give your question on Apple podcast reviews in the form of a five star review, we will prioritize prioritize your question. We'll make sure to answer it every single week. Um, all of those questions will for sure be answered. We can't promise all the questions on Twitter or in our DMs get answered just based on volume. Um, and I'm sure the list of questions will only grow as we get closer and closer to the draft. So if you want your question answered, for sure, just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and I promise it will be answered. So let's get to those three questions, the first of which comes from the One True Mongoose. He asks, what are your opinions on drafting a quarterback in the 2022 draft? Would you trade up, wait until pick 26, or not draft one at all? I believe they'll likely take a quarterback with their first pick based on how the Titans select players and project their contributions in later years and not what they'll get from them in their rookie year. With Tannehill likely gone after next season, I think they'd view this as their year to draft a QB if they really like one. I also think downing is a huge problem with QB development, but thankfully Tim Kelly has a track record of developing young quarterbacks. Thanks for all the content. Well, thank you. The one true mongoose for uh, listening and enjoying the show. James, what are your thoughts? It's a lot of questions in one, uh, a very thought out question from the one true mongoose. What are your thoughts on quarterback for the Titans in this draft? Yeah. I mean, I would say no to the trade up, um, not really anything to do with like that I'm against trading up for a quarterback. Just the guys you would be looking to trade up for would be Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, who I view as as borderline first rounders as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're sitting at 26 and Sam Howell or Matt Corral are there, uh, I wouldn't hate taking a swing on one of those guys. It probably wouldn't be my pick uh, just because, again, I don't, Uh, really view them as great quarterback prospects. But 
you know, they both have, have uh, really good arm talent. Sam Howell's a, a true junior, so you can it's a lot easier to project uh, the development track for him than somebody like Malik Willis, for example. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like Sam Howell's my, my QB one uh, as of now. My As far as quarterbacks that I have a first-round grade on, uh, I've got Sam Howell as the 21st-ranked quarterback, Matt Corral as the 20 – or, um, sorry, overall prospect. Sam Howell at 21, Matt Corral 26, Kenny Pickett 28, Malik Willis 31. So that's kind of where I, where I view that quarterback class uh, as of now. Yeah, I've been consistent with this throughout this offseason process. I'm incredibly out on this draft class of quarterbacks, as you are too, I believe. Um, I, I don't, I don't see this being a fit uh, for the Titans drafting a quarterback in the first round. I certainly don't see them drafting uh, a quarterback in the first round, having traded up for one, because the only guys that you would really need to absolutely trade up to get, you would think, like you said, are Malik Willis and. Um, Kenny Pickett and and those two guys Willis I think will go in the top 10 based on how his stock is trending um, he seems to be the the high the high ceiling uh, prospect of these quarterbacks that that has probably the the greatest greatest potential in the eyes of the consensus evaluation of these quarterbacks um, and so I think he's probably going to go higher um, than the Titans can actually reach right and and with uh, Kenny Pickett I just don't see the, the, the draft capital that you're going to have to give up to move up to get a Kenny Pickett. I get a lot of people in the Titans fan base really hate Ryan Tannehill for, for his playoff contributions the last two years. But are you willing to give up this year's for, trade this year's first, uh, probably a, a third rounder this year, potentially a high draft pick next year as well, all to just move up a couple of spots and get Kenny Pickett? Is that... Is that really an upgrade from Ryan Tannehill to Kenny Pickett that you're willing to give up all of the necessary draft capital for? I think that's just a, a foolish calculation. Um, and and I just I'm not I'm not enchanted by any of these guys. So well, I, you, I would you've got to ask like you got to ask yourself what I do with quarterback prospects is I ask myself, do I envision this player? at any point in their rookie contract being a top 10, top 15 quarterback in the league. Right. And with every quarterback in this class, the answer is no, but with Kenny Pickett, it's especially no, like he's, he's the, he's the, the high floor, low ceiling guy, but he's that's the not Mac really, Jones of this that's draft. That's not class. really valuable uh, from a quarterback perspective anymore. Like you can get Baker Mayfield for yes. next to nothing right now, uh, you know, and I guarantee you Baker Mayfield is better in 2022 than Kenny Pickett. So, yeah, I mean, he, he like I like I've said before, he's the Mac Jones of this this draft class in terms of what he's going to offer. He's probably the most ready-made quarterback of the group, but he is potentially the lowest ceiling, especially of these upper guys. And and there's a reason the Patriots didn't trade. I, I guarantee they would not have traded up to get Mac Jones in last year's draft if that was what they would have had to have done to get him. They probably would have gone somewhere else um, because. That's not a guy you give up a bunch of draft capital to go get. And and I think that the trading up for a guy like Pickett would just be would be dumb. So I think we're in agreement on that. Let's move on to the next question from at Major Mark West on Twitter. He sent that uh, to us via Apple Podcasts, though. He said, do you guys think that Des Fitzpatrick could have a role this year? 
Well, I certainly think he'll have a role because he had a role at times last year. And he's a, a guy coming into his second year with the Titans wide receiver drafted, I believe in the fourth round last year. Is that right? Yes. Traded up for him. Yeah, they trade. I mean, speaking of bad trade up decisions, trading up for Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round certainly didn't pan out, ended up on the Titans practice squad. And uh, then, or excuse me, no, he, he made the, he made the roster barely, um, but he ended he up, was, he was on and off the roster was okay. So he was on and off the roster, um, played very limited snaps, probably played more snaps than, than the Titans wanted him to just based on the injury situation last year. But James, you're the, you're the scout between the two of us. What, what did you see from the limited snaps he got last year? Do you think there's any room for a potential second year breakout? Uh, he ran one nice route against the Patriots that I remember, uh, like a deep curl that I thought was pretty nice. But yeah. uh, then you add on to that the multiple times that he ran either the incorrect route or the correct route incorrectly with bad depth or took a bad mm. angle or whatever that resulted in the interception. Uh, not a great rookie showing uh, for Des Fitzpatrick, like – I'm very uh, lenient or like easy on GMs. I think, I think like people are too hard or people have uh, unrealistic expectations for the sure. hit rate in the draft, but Des Fitzpatrick, it's just like, there's no excuse for that. I, that's, <laughs> that's one of just from a pure scouting perspective. That's one of the, worst draft picks maybe the worst draft pick that that john robinson's made obviously isaiah wilson had a wow uh, yeah much like bigger impact in a negative way but yeah well but in terms of the consensus i mean isaiah wilson was at least uh, the consensus at the time was that he was a first round prospect no Um, it was not no was it not consensus board ranking for isaiah wilson i believe was 96 Wait, 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 really? Uh, no, like, I, that's the thing with Isaiah Wilson that people, like, throw out the character. How imagine that, imagine he's a, years. imagine Isaiah Wilson's a choir boy, like, off the field. Okay. Uh, he was Perfect not a teammate. first round, he was not a first round prospect to me. He was, to me, he was like that guy you take in the second round that, you know, where you get someone that you can trust to contribute day one in the first round. And then second round, you're like, all right, we're going to swing for the, long arms athletic traits and take Isaiah Wilson. But yeah, I mean, I, when, when they drafted him, I, I didn't expect him to be a contributor year one. Oh, wow. Uh, Cause I just like, didn't really see him as a good pass protector. I um, can't believe I've had that, that wrong this entire time. It's really funny. Yeah, no, that, that was, it was a, it was a reach uh, by consensus. Well, it, yeah, and it ended up being worse than anyone could have possibly imagined, but we're, we're not, we're not relitigating Isaiah. Wilson. And I actually, gonna... <laughs> I have two questions okay. that I got uh, from DMs. Okay. Um, awesome. And well, let... the first one is from Indigo. Okay. I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, what is your favorite and least favorite positions to scout? Um, and assuming you're talking about like the draft. Um, so I, to me, it's less, it's less about position and it's more about how they're used. So my favorite uh, for my favorites, I have offensive linemen that play in uh, offense that runs a lot of zone runs. So like Tyler Linderbaum is very fun, um, fun Mm. player to watch just because guys are on the move. You know, he's making these beautiful reach blocks all the time. Um, I think also offensive linemen that take a bunch of, 
you know, true NFL pass sets where you're just out on an Island one-on-one versus an edge rusher, you kind of get that, that exciting one-on-one matchup that you can watch. Um, and, you know, conversely for one of my least favorites, it would be uh, offensive tackles where they're running a lot of boot and they're moving the pocket around and you're just not getting a ton of stuff to evaluate. You know, they might play 60 snaps and have 10 where there's actually something that they show that would, you know, be relevant to the NFL. Mm. Um, I would say corners that play a lot of man coverage and get targeted a bunch. Uh, So like Roger McCreary is a guy in this class who I'm not in love with as a prospect, but you know, you, pull up his his pff profile he's getting target his stat line will be like 14 targets uh five catches for 80 yards two pass breakups one interception it's like you go into that <laughs> game you're like all right this is this is about to be some appointment viewing stuff yeah um least favorite would be kind of the the inverse with corners which is like corners that play there's a lot of when you when you watch a ton of prospects like I do, you realize there's a ton of just weird college schemes. Um, so corners that play a ton of zone coverage, it's just kind of a snooze fest. Like Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon in Washington this year. Um, like I think I know Trent McDuffie had 85 man coverage snaps in his entire career, right? So wow. every play he's kind of he's dropping back into his deep third. He's in a side turn, and his stat line would be like two targets, one catch for four yards. And it's like, okay. And the four plays that he actually was involved, you know, he looks like a good player, but mm. uh, this is boring. And I, there's not a ton that I can really take from this. And then the last one for the least favorite would be running back. Um, I, I enjoy watching them. Like it's a fun position to watch, but from a scouting perspective, right. it's just really difficult because uh, like I, I made a somewhat jokingly, somewhat jokingly made a tweet a few weeks ago, like my running back rankings is number one, the running back that goes to the best O line and then went down the list. <laughs> Cause like, that's the reality. It's every running back. It's like, they're all pretty good. And if they go to, uh, uh, you know, I don't know like the Eagles, a team with a, a really good offensive line. Yeah. Right. See them having a lot of success. Um, but if they're in Seattle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the common theme I'm getting from you is that it's, it's the players that are, probably the most frustrating to to scout because they play in systems that are or they play in a way that's so inapplicable to the nfl that it's just you don't know what to make of them right right yeah exactly um and then the second question i had is from tyler scherf and this is a non-football related question but who is the best pokemon starter and why is it charmander (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm going to just go with like the fire red leaf green, uh, but I'm actually going to say Bulbasaur and I know that's going to be an unpopular opinion maybe, but number one, you've got the sleep powder leech seed combo is uh, like borderline overpowered. (laughs) This is amazing content. The fact that that you can, like, it doesn't matter, you know, level three Bulbasaur versus level 90 Alakazam, put them to sleep. Doesn't matter. Oh, sure. Yeah. Bam. We're getting health. Um, For me with a starter, the most important thing is how does it work in the early game? Bulbasaur is going to shred through Brock. And then you've got Misty, uh, the second gym leader, who to me is the most difficult one just because of where you are in the game. And Squirtle's not going to be great against Misty. Charmander is going to get shredded. Bulbasaur is really the only one that's going to be able to put up a fight against Misty because you're not 
you don't have access to any other grass types at that point in the game. Um, the thing with Bulbasaur though, is that by the sixth or seventh gym, I usually move off of Bulbasaur, uh, take them out of my lineup for someone that, uh, has more applications in the late game. You're not really using grass type moves when you get to the elite four, but yeah, Bulbasaur is my pick for a best Pokemon starter. Wow. That I hope, uh, I hope you guys wrote that down. I have absolutely nothing to contribute to this conversation <laughs> and I'm not even the slightest bit surprised that you, James Foster, are a, a big Pokemon guy. I collected the cards when I was younger, but I never learned how to play. I just liked the pretty pictures and the shiny, shiny ones. So there that, um, that was, yeah, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was great. Um, <laughs> that was, that was a nice refresher from the football content. Let's get back to the football questions. We've got a couple more, um, but I love, I love the non-football questions. Please ask more of them because they're fun. Uh, this was our, our third and final question from the Apple podcast reviews from RK Nicker or R Nicker 11. Uh, he says, please discuss offensive line prospects, tackle and guard at play at 26, uh, at the 26th pick in the draft 90th, or even 131, all three of the Titans first three picks highlighting pro days that John Robinson and staff have attended and who is a good scheme fit. He asks, is Zion Johnson good value at 26? I struggle with positional value here. So if you look at the consensus draft board um, for, for interior, I specify interior offensive line help, because I think what we heard from the Titans uh, from Mike Vrabel and John Robinson this week at the annual NFL owners meeting down in, in Florida, they talked a good deal about what they're thinking. Um, And I say a good deal, good deal by their terms, right. About what they're thinking about with the offensive line. They brought in Jamarco Jones, uh, a, a, I guess he, he kind of played a a swing lineman position in Seattle, but they brought him in uh, this off season. He was one of the, the smaller free agent signings the Titans had and, and Mike Vrabel at the owner's meeting said that they watched tape of him playing at right guard or excuse me, left guard um, for the Seahawks against the saints, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the evaluation of him that, that caused them to want to go get him. He also said that he expects Jamarco to start out at the guard position in camp and then compete from there. Obviously not necessarily starting there um, for the Titans being the starting left guard, but starting there in the sense of that's the position they'll try him out at first when they get to camp. So all that is to say that kind of gave us a clue as to what they're thinking with the offensive line, potentially Jamarco Jones and, or maybe a rookie is what I'm imagining uh, competing for that, that left guard position, which I think will at the beginning of the year, start out with Jamarco Jones. We know what the Titans like to do with their, their rookies, particularly their linemen rookies. They, they tend to keep them slow as they get, get up to, to pace with the NFL, whether they're ready or not. Um, and I expect them really, I, I kind of thought that they were, were hot on Dylan Raiden's potentially being that left guard fill in, but those comments changed my mind. I think they're all in with, with Raiden's moving uh, to play tackle at the other end of the line than where he played in college being the right tackle for the Titans. So assuming that is the case, and I don't, I, you may disagree with me, those assumptions that I made, assuming Raiden's is going to be that guy at right tackle, I'd expect them to probably go interior alignment earlier if they were to go lineman in the first round um, because they want somebody to eventually, they don't want Jamarco Jones being the guy at left guard any more than this year and probably preferably um, only part of this year, if they can help it. 
So if you go to the consensus draft board for interior offensive linemen, the pickings are pretty slim uh, in the first round in terms of where guys are projected to go. You got Tyler Linderbaum, who you mentioned earlier. Uh, he's 19 on the consensus board. And then Kenyon Green at 24 and Zion Johnson at 28. So as to your question of whether or not he's decent value, uh, he's I believe, yeah, the consensus draft board actually has him projected to the Titans at 26 uh, out of Boston College. I think that he would be good value. And James, you can you can correct me if you disagree. But um, if, if they were to go interior offensive lineman there, Johnson would be good value. It would make sense for him to be there at 20 at 26 for them. Um, but other than that, you get a pretty significant drop off after that with Jamari uh, Salyer. Is that how you say it? Salyer? Yeah. Salyer and Dylan Parham being the next couple of guys at 75 and 90 on the consensus board. Um, and, and Parham is a guy I know that, James, you're pretty high on potentially being a later round draft pick for the Titans. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I have I have like my guys that I, I like and, and don't like at each spot. If you want me to kind of just. Sure. Yeah. Who, who's your evaluation um, uh, so with guys in the first round? So 26, as far as guys that are going to be available, offensive tackle, um, you've got Trevor Penning, who I think is, is better fit for like a gap scheme type of system. Um, super dominant tackle from Northern Iowa with um, really incredible testing, great length. Uh, he had a 99.9 PFF run blocking grade, which I can tell you as someone who has worked for PFF That's and understands pretty ridiculous. how their grades are calculated, like the amount of, of dominance that you have to show on a play-to-play basis to grade out that highly is kind of incredible. Um, but he's just really stiff in pass protection to me, so I, I would pass on him. Um, Bernard Raymond is a guy that uh, left tackle from Central Michigan. Um, I'm a lot lower on him than some other people. Uh, he is late with his hands in pass protection and he has short arms, which is a pretty terrible uh, combination when it comes to establishing contact. Um, Not great. He's, he's a really good athlete as far as movement ability and he's new to the position. So you can project some development there, but he's also 25 years old. So you're looking at a guy that by the end of his rookie contract is going to be heading into pushing 30, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I, I, in the second round, sure, I could get on board with that, but uh, not a first rounder to me. Um, Tyler Smith is a guy uh, who is being talked about as kind of a late first rounder. He's a freak athlete with absolutely no uh, pass protection technique. I would I would encourage you to encourage everyone to turn on um, some tape from Tyler Smith and just like watch him pass block. He literally just hugs players. Uh, I don't know how many holding calls he got uh through the entire season but in the four games that i watched there were like at least two in every single game so he's Mm. a guy that i have actually listed as an interior offensive lineman um, on my board i think he could be like a really high-end uh guard but at at tackle uh, i just don't like it um guards that uh would be there would be Kenyon green who I don't think is the best fit for a zone blocking scheme had pretty underwhelming testing numbers. Um, I'm lower on Kenny green currently. I've, I think I'm about five games in whenever there's a guy like this though, who a lot of people whose opinions I respect, like are, are really high on him. Like Justin Mello, for example, loves Kenyon mm-hmm. green. Like I always will keep my mind open. The guys at the end of the draft prospect that I or process that I end up watching the most of 
are the guys that I'm lower on than consensus because, you know, I, I don't think that people are just making up the fact that he's a good prospect out of thin air. It could be that I haven't, you know, watched the games or seen it yet. So I'll, I'll right. continue to evaluate Kenyon Green. But as of now, I don't love it. Um, Zion Johnson, to me, is a great guard prospect. Um, you know, I, I just I don't like the value of guard in the first round. But Agreed I, I entirely. Can't, I can't hate the talent, you know, from a talent scouting perspective. Like, that's a solid pick. Um, when we get into 90 and all of, you know, all of, uh, the notes that I have are just based on where they fall on the consensus board. Um, Zach Tom is someone that I'm, I'm so high on Zach Tom, uh, as a tackle or a guard, uh, you know, you look at, you look at his, his testing numbers, 10 yard split, 98th percentile, 95th percentile for the 40 yard dash 93rd for the uh, vertical jump 98th for the broad jump 94th for the three cone 93rd for the 20 yard shuttle just a elite mover and has some of the most refined polished pass protecting technique in this class Um, the way that he plays with independent hands his passes are so smooth just doesn't generate a ton of power his arms are a little bit short but he's a guy that i think uh has has kind of uh swing tackle has that offensive line and versatility like he started out his career at center um you know i think he could play a bunch of different spots and worst case scenario you move him into guard so he's my guy in the third round that i i really hope they target interesting um, and then also, Dylan Dylan Parham, who you mentioned, is another guy that I really love. Uh, yeah, at guard. Um, let's see what grade do I have on uh, Dylan Parham? I have him as a mid second rounder. Um, okay, 40, the consensus 43. board has him exactly at ninety, which obviously would. Yeah, I have him as the forty third player in my class. So I, I would re- I would oh, wow. love him at I would love him at ninety. Yeah. Um, and then at at, at one thirty one and kind of later, offensive tackle it. it it dries up on day three, like good offensive tackles don't really make it to day three. The one guy I would highlight would be Obina easy out of, um, out of Memphis. Uh, no, he played at Memphis and then transferred to TCU, but you know, 36 inch arms, uh, six foot seven, three twenty one, moves around pretty well for a guy of his size. So that's kind of more of like a, a dart throw lottery pick. Uh, Max Mitchell and Luke Godecki are two guys that I think have, uh, swing tackle kind of guard hybrid versatility. And then some true guards would be uh, Joshua Eziudu out of North Carolina, uh, who's one of my biggest sleepers, and Blaze Andres out of Minnesota. So, Zach Tom, you're way higher on him than the consensus draft board. Uh, the, the draft board has him at 192. So, that, that would be an interesting one. Um, based on your evaluation would probably be a pretty significant value pick if they managed to get him late in the third. Um, another, another guy in that same ballpark on the consensus board that will, will play to the hometown crowd a little bit here. What's your evaluation on Cade Mays? Do you think he would be a scheme fit for the Titans at interior O-line? Yeah. Cade Mays uh, actually watched, I was watching Tennessee offense this week, Cade Mays and, and Velas Jones. I'm out on, I'm not, not big on both guys out on both. Yikes. I mean, Cade Mays to me is, is a guard. Like he doesn't have the foot quickness to play tackle. Um, you know, his, like, I think he does some, some nice stuff kind of like mauling at the second level, but he's, he's yeah, not a great prospect to me. Um, I think I have Cade Mays with a, um, let's see. 
Yeah, I've got him as a late fifth. So, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on. We've spent plenty of time on this question. Let's move on to the questions we got on Twitter. So the first of which from our buddy, Zach Lyons over at the uh, football and other F words podcast at F words pod on Twitter. He asks who is a wide receiver that more analysts should be talking about as a potential impact player. This is your ballpark, James. So who, who is a wide receiver that you're big on maybe like, let's say that that sky Moore cause he's been a big second round uh, name passed around beyond sky Moore down your list. Who's a guy that you think could be a steal in the second or third round of this draft. Yeah. You know, looking through this receiver class, I think it's really crowded at the top kind of like late first to second round, but I, I don't think that there's as much depth as uh, there maybe has been in recent years. Mm. You know, Someone like Jalen Tolbert, just watching more of his film, uh, he's from South Alabama, just doesn't create separation at, at the a high enough level. He's really just kind of a ball skills guy. Um, George Pickens, to me, like I don't see it as much with him. I don't know. There's just there's limited tape on him. He's got a spotty injury history. He's uh, pretty skinny for his height. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the one guy that I actually highlighted, and I was thinking more like day three guys, but would be Danny Gray out of SMU. Uh, okay. I have him as an early fifth rounder. You know, he, he does some nice things from a route running perspective. But the more I, I, I keep getting into this receiver class, I really think it's a position that you maybe want to attack in the top 60 picks, I would say. Okay, two players that I have highlighted, um, both of which I have highlighted because they're guys that stood out to me in the in the past year watching college football. I'm sure to other college football fans, they stood out as well. And one is one you already mentioned, the hometown, the hometown guy, Velas Jones Jr. What is it about his tape that you were you were just out on? What do you not like, maybe in particular, about the kind of fit he might be with the Titans? So I uh I actually kind of like I was doing a, a deep dive into the numbers for this receiving class. Um, and I'll have a, an article on Broadway coming up soon that will go into some of that. But I was looking at a uh, percentage of routes run and Velas Jones by far leads this receiver class with the highest percentage of routes, targets, and catches that were screen passes. Um, and mm. it, it wasn't surprising. You watch his tape. The Titans it, favorite kind of pass it's like essentially not even routes. It's literally line up and then turn around and catch the ball. Right. He is a sixth year senior uh, who is uh, like, has not proven to be an NFL caliber route runner. So I, I just, I don't really see what the value is with Valus Jones. If, if you're talking like sixth round, sure. You know, I, I'm fine taking a flyer on a guy that ran a, a good 40 time, but yeah, I, I don't see him as a high level NFL prospect. Okay, and the other guy that stood out to me, and this is purely anecdotal, but I'm just curious if you've watched any of him. He's a later round guy on the consensus board. He's at 211. Ty Freifogel out of Indiana. Have you watched any of his tape? So, yes. So, I'm actually an Indiana fan. So, I have uh, I have extensive knowledge of Ty Freifogel's game. Uh, but he's he's a jump ball guy. Like, he's one of the – there's, you know, four or five guys in every class – guys that are you know six foot two six foot three have a nice vert kind of fast and they run sure. down the sideline dominate some 511 corner with 29 inch arms mm. um, and you know put up some nice numbers 
I don't, I don't see him as a, as a great NFL prospect, same, pretty similar grade. Uh, if I remember on, let's see, I have early sixth grade on Velas Jones and Ty Freifogel. I have late seventh round grade. Ooh. Okay. All right. Good to know. Let's move on to the next question from Milton at Milton Hotspur. He asks offensive tackle and offensive guard in addition to wide receiver are some of the Titans biggest needs and look like potential first round targets. Very observant Milton, but I question the value of those offensive line positions at 26 compared with receiver. They wouldn't be getting one of the top four tackles and guard rarely seems worth a round one pick. Agree with that. What would you think of the Titans taking the fifth offensive tackle of the round or a guard in this spot? Also, what scenarios can you envision where you'd say it's worth trading up in this draft? So let's take this one at a time. Let's start with, and and I want to get your answer on this. What do you think about the Titans taking the fifth offensive tackle in this round in the first of of this, of this uh, first round in the first round? Uh, do you think that it would be decent value? Cause we, we talked about the guards. You said that guards first round value. You don't love that fifth guy on the board at tackle. Do you think there's any value there for the Titans or would you say that would be a bit of an overdraft? Uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of touched on this, you know, Trevor Penning, I would Trevor Penning at 26. I would probably give like a the grade, like or I would give the pick like a C, you know, you see the athletic upside. I just don't see him being a great pass protector from day one. Um, you know, Bernard Raymond, no. Um, well, so that's the Smith, thing. Like, do you, no. so th- here's my question with your grades. Do you have it as like the consensus board where it, there's four guys that are kind of above the rest in terms of the tackle class? Or do you think that it's not that I have, clear? I have three guys. Yeah. And so okay. uh, my, my tackle grades, I've got a top five grade on Evan Neal. I've got a yep. top 10 grade on Charles Cross and I've got a mid first grade on Icky Aquanu. Yeah. Um, Trevor Penning is an early second. So I have three okay. first round grades on offensive tackle. And uh, this actually, his, the second part of his question about what scenario do you trade up? I'm really very against trading up for non quarterbacks. The one thing I could see is there's been some kind of mixed opinions uh, in the from like the scouting community on Charles Cross. I think he's a very Mm. good prospect. If he were like kind of slipping into that 16, 17 range, I would, I would be all, well, I don't want to say all four, but I would be in favor of trading up for him depending on what you'd have to give up. I, man, I don't, you don't, don't give up Uh, a a, Titans fans give up a future first, but they're, minds if I don't, they I don't know if they would for, i mean i think for, if they traded up for a tackle in the first round they absolutely would be furious they would there's no way they uh, wouldn't i like but charles cross is consistently like a top 10 kind of guy in terms of how he's being talked about i think okay but i don't, I don't disagree know. with think, you that it'd be I a think, great value i think smarter titans fans would would be yes yes they're not who i'm talking about i'm talking yeah, about okay. the consensus they like just when they, they see exist. tackle Trade up first round Titans. That's all the information they'll care about and they will be furious. But I listen, I'm here for it. I, it'll be really funny. It'll be fun to, to battle off the morons, um, which none of you listening to this show are obviously. If you're listening to our high quality podcast content, then you're very intelligent. Speaking of uh, intelligent people that listen to the podcast, Logan at L Grady 25, he asks, who is your favorite fifth, sixth or seventh and or undrafted free agent projected guy. This is definitely a you question considering uh, I have not 
done any deep dive into the later rounds of this draft. Are, are there a couple of guys that you are higher on than, than others in those later rounds? Yeah. So fifth round, um, I went with Jack Sanborn, who is uh, 162 on the consensus board. And uh, I have him as the 134th prospect. He's, okay. you know, a good linebacker. Uh, he Titans linebackers, keep him coming. I like he'll it. get overshadowed by uh, Leo Chanel, who's going to be a, a first or second round pick, but yep. he's a really good player. Um, and this is just, this is just like my evaluation, not, anything to do with the Titans specifically, like who I want them to take or whatever. Right. Um, sixth round, two guys would be Cam Taylor Britt, who's played corner in uh, at Nebraska. Uh, but I, I think he would be a, a prime candidate to move to safety and, and play that hybrid Dane Crookshank kind of role. Um, and then Thomas Booker out of Stanford is a freak athlete off the field, just like intelligence off the charts his film isn't that great, but sixth round, I think he can, you know, be a, a solid like rotational three technique. Um, and then seventh round, Zacoby McLean, uh, out of linebacker out of Auburn. And Ioma Uwazariki is a nose tackle uh, out of Iowa State that I like. Okay. Uh, and then un- undrafted free agent, Delaren Turner Yell, safety out of Oklahoma. Okay. I hope everybody wrote that down. Um, another, I think, fantastic. You tweeted about this a while back. Another great undrafted free agent pickup would be Jalen Weidermeyer, right? I mean, if oh yeah, the Titans could could add him. That would be uh, an ideal pickup after the draft. Um, uh, just a nice, a nice little uh, prospect. Um, probably not going to amount to anything, but you know, in terms of value, be pretty nice. Let him play in like a developmental league for a few years, maybe. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he can, he can get his wheels going. He needs a little more speed uh, and a little more of everything else. Uh, moving on to Jared at Jared Farmer, 1987. He asks, talk about what moves the needle. Rookie QBs. Uh, no. Yes, sir. I, d- I didn't understand that question. So. Yeah, I think he just wants us to talk about rookie QBs. Uh, no. And my answer is no. Sorry, Jared. Yes. <laughs> moving on to uh, Marlon at Marlon Maloney. He asks, thoughts on JoJo Doman? Doman? How do you say that's that? How, you know? That's how I've been pronouncing it. Yeah. All right. JoJo Doman. Um, or other potential Dane Crookshank replacements in this draft, which I know hurts your heart to hear because you want Dane back. And I'm with you on that. Um, I want Dane back because he follows me on Twitter. Exactly. That's, right. That's, which is a great reason, which is a great reason. And he can cover tight ends really well. Which yeah. Is, and, and he's, he's a solid player, but like he's a solid player. Um, so thoughts on Jojo demand or other potential Crookshanks, Crookshank replacements in this draft, though it's starting to look like we may be able to bring him back for cheap. Um, so yes, it is looking like they potentially will be able to bring him back if they want him. That is. Um, and what are your thoughts on any potential replacements if they do end up letting him go? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the late round defense hybrid defensive back. I think that's like a, a really good uh, spot to be picking. The Titans okay. have shown, have had a lot of success uh, with that. Amani hooker, Dan Kirkshank, um, yep. Cam Taylor Britt, I talked about is a guy, and then um, Jojo Doman played with Cam Taylor Britt in Nebraska kind of played. He's a, he's a weird evaluation because he basically played slot corner in Nebraska's defense. Nebraska has a, has a kind of a different defensive scheme as a lot of these colleges do. Um, Didn't really, it's hard. I I don't really see him having the size or the play strength to be a great linebacker. I mean, he's six, one, two, 28. 
228 pounds is 10th percentile uh, for mm. linebackers. You know, he's got some nice coverage ability, but not not a huge fan of Jojo Doman. I have him as a late fifth. Okay. Um, and then the the last guy that I'll mention is Marcus Jones out of Houston. Again, played outside corner there, but he's five foot eight, really short arms. Uh, I just don't think his size will play on the outside um, in the NFL. But if you want to move him to safety or slot corner, like his tape is fantastic. So I, I would I would love a Marcus Jones pick on day three. Eddie at Titans Pads Sneakers asks player comps for the following players. I'll just run through. He he gives us five. He wants to hear your player comp for these five players. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Drake London. So I for Drake London, I went. I think Brandon Marshall from like a play style perspective. And I think Michael Thomas in terms of what his role would be in the NFL, like how I think he will, if he's successful in the NFL, it'll be in that short to intermediate area. Okay. My, my comp was Devonte Adams, but moving on, uh, Traylon Burks, Juwan Jennings, <laughs> Juwan Jennings. All right. My comp was Jerry Rice, but um, the next, what? the next one, Hold up. <laughs> don't you listen, stop questioning the process. These are comps. Right, we actually okay. got these from RGPFS, our buddy, uh, Rob, Rob Greenlaw. These no, are, no, no, these no. are comps from it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's just computations. And the methodology it's, is proprietary. It's proprietary. That's right. Don't question it. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. Okay. Uh, next, okay. next, next player comp, uh, Chris Olave, Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin. Okay. Yeah. I had, I had Andre Johnson. Um, Wait, are, are these like, did, is this like Dan Orlovsky's comps or something? I think these are the five guys that he had, or at least some of them are the one. I think this is the, oh, the thing that sparked the question, his his <laughs> incredible comps. Mine are not, but um, it basically is. I, I could just do that for the bit. That, that was a ridiculous tweet from Dan Orlovsky comparing these these guys to Hall of Famers. But um, And when I, for, for Chris Olave, uh, when I say Andre Johnson, I mean specifically Titans legend version of Andre Johnson not the Houston version. Um, uh, the next guy is Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. I have LA Rams Odell Beckham. In, okay, hang on. Elaborate on that because do you see a, is there a, what's the significant difference between Rams OBJ and we'll pretend Cleveland OBJ, OBJ doesn't exist, Giants OBJ to you? Yeah, is like there, 15% less deep speed maybe. Like, Throwing out an Odell Beckham comp, you've got to be kind of uh, the the perfect prospect from for that type of mold. But just like the way that he effortlessly glides around the field, um, you know, uh, the big thing with Garrett Wilson and Odell Beckham is the way that they're able to to adjust their their speed mid route to kind of throw off defensive backs. That's to me Garrett Wilson's biggest strength. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, kind of just like a toned down version of Odell Beckham. Okay. My comp was, uh, was Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and then the other guy that he asked, the last one he asked for is Jamison Williams out of Alabama. I went with Deshaun Jackson. Um, just, mm. you know, one of the only six foot two, six foot one guys with that kind of speed. Okay. Interesting. And I had Titans legend version of Randy Moss as my comp for that guy. Uh, moving I would on say to, you, I would say you maybe need to uh, dive back into the tape on this. No, we, we triple checked it because I thought it was okay. funky at first. The, it's proprietary. So okay. um, if you have questions, anybody listening, take it up with Rob. Um, that's it's his system, but it's it's pretty well. I think it's pretty well vetted. It's pretty well tested. 
Um, so just don't don't question it. You'll see. Uh, Waquan at six one five Waquan asks, if you were J Rob, what prospect would you pick at twenty six? Well, Waquan, that certainly depends on who's there, obviously. Um, but we can probably let's let's I'll rank the position position groups of need in in my eyes for the Titans at 26. Um, I, I think wide receiver is who I would would go based on who may or may not be there primarily. Um, and then alignment tackle, obviously, over guard just based on value in the first round. Uh, certainly under no circumstances would you draft a tight end in the first round. They need a tight end in this draft, in my opinion, but not in the first round. That's not a thing that you do with this draft class of tight ends. There is no elite Kyle Pitts in this draft. Um, and then on down the list, a QB is very near the bottom for me. Um, oh, and I forgot at the very top of the list is linebacker. That I thought that was just a given, um, but that's where I have, that's how I have them ranked. How would, how would you say your, your preferred positional group for that first round for the Titans be? Yeah, I think I agree with your ranking. Um, to me, it's just like whichever receiver I like the best that's still there. I don't. I just. I don't really love the spot that they're in in terms of uh, late first round guys. Right, I, I and that's why we that, both agree they should trade down if they can. Though that is, you know, dependent on if they can find a partner for that. Yeah, like I, I can, I can almost guarantee you that um, the person that they pick. The player they pick at uh, 26, if they stay there, mm-hmm. will I will have them with a, a lower grade than their position just because of the way that the draft class is kind of formatted. Right. Well, okay. Here's a here's a scenario we can we can walk through. Where's the cutoff for receiver? That in your mind, it's like they okay they based on who's gone already, they cannot take a receiver here. They have to go. offensive line or they have to find a way to trade down like is it obviously if wilson london jameson williams well actually williams i'll leave off this list if wilson london olave burks probably Jahan dotson if any of those five guys are there that's a a perfectly reasonable if not incredible 26th round pick or 26th overall pick is is that fair in your mind uh no no, you don't think taking. <laughs> let me tell you. Any let of me those tell guys would be good at twenty six. There are five players that I think, five receivers that I'm uh, happy with the Titans taking in the first round. Okay, so and I got the wrong five. It. Who are the five? That would be Drake London, right. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, mm. and Sky Moore. Um, so no Burks and no Dotson. Uh, so Burks is my sixth receiver. I have a mid second round grade on him. I could, I like, I'm fine with that. I I would, uh, eh, that's okay. That's not like a disaster. Okay, It'd be a meh grade from you. Wouldn't love it. Uh, Jahan Dotson. I have a late third round grade on. Ooh, that would be a a brutal first round pick to me. I, I will legitimately question what they're, what on tape they are seeing that makes him a a first round player. Okay, so if those five guys, if Wilson, London, Williams, Olave, and Sky Moore are all gone by 26 and they can't find a trade partner, you just you have to you just go with the best tackle on the board. What, what do you do? Yeah, at that a tough point, question. So at, at that point, and I'm just scrolling through my board, like you're in a bad situation because I'm not going to love any of the picks. But do you draft for value. What you would have to do is you would, I would look, I would look at Sam Howell if he's there. Wow. As far okay. as tackle, I think Trevor Penning, again, I've talked about Trevor Penning in the first 
don't love it, but you might have to do that. Um, linebacker, we joke, but in all seriousness, hell no to linebacker. <laughs> Interior, you know, Zion Johnson, I think, would be a solid pick. There's obviously the value. Tyler Smith, eh. Kenyon Green would be kind of eh, but I would be fine with both of those. Um, honestly, like, and this is, I, this is like very unpopular, but corner or edge, if you get into that situation where there's just nothing there, like, I don't hate taking one of those. Just well, those two positions, they may be the best in terms of just pure value at that point in that situation, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I think people, people look at the draft differently than I do. I look at the draft as you're going out to save money. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get guys uh, on my roster on rookie contracts yep. that I would normally have to pay a ton of money in free agency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it, I would recommend reading a Timo Riske or whatever's article on uh, PFF from a couple of days ago, talking about like surplus value and kind of where it falls. I, around. I'd, really, yes, really, uh, I, I recommend article. that article as well. I actually read that as the first Timo article I'd ever read. Uh, but it was just because it was getting such great praise and it, it was really informative. Um, but yeah, so I think corner edge is like a, a, a worst case scenario, but yeah, you know, the, the thought process behind it, I would understand. Well, and I mean, this scenario where those five guys are gone uh, by 26 is like, I think increasingly possible based on just the, the temperature of the room with this draft. Right. I mean, the, the rush on, on wide receivers, won't shock me if, if it, it starts early and often. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's uh, we got a, just a handful more and then we're going to get out of here. Jonathan at the 41st, he asks, assuming we don't go wide receiver or O line and Pickett and Willis are, Willis are gone. Which QB do you think would fit best of the Titans offense? You may have just kind of answered that with, with Sam Howell. Yeah, I know that's yeah, your pick. Yeah, we kind of talked about that. I, I would say Sam Howell. Again, like I, I don't like Sam Howell as a prospect. It's just, you know, the best of these the guys one out of not a great group. Yeah. To me. Okay. Brian at FH Brian asks after inadvertently wrecking Browns, and this is, I'm assuming, talking about Jayon Brown, uh, after inadvertently wrecking Jayon Brown's value by benching him, why not re sign him as quality depth? Also, why are they eating a million? of a mill this year, a million dollars worth of dead salary cap. I'll, I'll take this one. Um, Jayon, first of all, they, I, I disagree wholeheartedly that they inadvertently wrecked his value by benching him. His value was, was established last year when he hit free agency for the first time, went out and couldn't find the money that he was wanting and had to come back to the Tennessee Titans on a, on a one year, $5 million contract, which was much less than he was wanting on that contract. He had two void years tagged onto the back end of the one-year contract just to make it more cap-friendly to fit him in onto the roster last year. And that's why the Titans are eating Uh, 1.3-ish in dead cap this year on his contract um, because they had to fit him in under the salary cap last year and those void years uh, leave a dead cap hit. So I disagree with the premise of the question um, that that they wrecked his value by benching him. They they didn't wreck his value because his value was already significantly lower than he would would have hoped. Um, and and his value, I mean, the, he's playing for the Raiders this year on a on a one year contract for just over a million dollars. So I don't think if he had started all year long, that value would have been significantly higher than that. Um, and he also was benched for good reason. He was benched because he was notably worse than the other 
interior uh, linebacker inside linebackers the Titans had. Yeah, and I mean that's a this is a a year after Matt Milano, who is a similar player in terms of talent and play style. Matt Milano got four years, forty two million with Buffalo, um, and then Jayon Brown signs for one year, five million. Um, and you know you factor in the injury history. Like I've been critical of the Titans for seemingly not caring at all about comp picks, about comp picks the way right. a team like Baltimore does. Um, I don't think the solution is playing worse players to try to trick teams into paying them more when they leave. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't really yeah. understand that question. Yeah, Rashad Evans and Jayon Brown must get all the starts for the comp. Um, at Titans Therapy is our penultimate question. He asks, given the wide receiver depth in this draft, do you guys think it benefits the Titans to trade back and get some draft capital and go wide receiver later? Or should J-Rob and company find a wide receiver who can make an immediate impact in round one? We've already kind of answered this question, but I want to I want to bend it just a little bit to ask you this short question. Do you do you think I know that your priority is trade back in the in this draft for the Titans? And I agree with you. But if if the Titans personnel department finds a guy that they love in the first round, I, I don't think trading up for a wide receiver is even on their radar. I don't think it's a wise move, even if you loved a guy in this class, I don't think trading up in the first for a receiver is a, is a great move, especially with where the Titans are at with two premium guys already on the roster. But if they had a, a guy in mind um, that, that they think is, is going to be an immediate impact guy um, at 26, he's available. Do you still think it would be not in your opinion, but in their opinion, do you, do you still think it would be wise to try to prioritize moving back? Or do you think you take that guy at 26? That's that's a tough question because it's like it it kind of falls into the debate that was kind of going on on Twitter this week about like should they you know take their guy or like how do you balance yes. your own evaluations which I just don't really think is I I just don't really understand the conversation because it's like they are just they have their board and like I have my board and if yes. You, so if you have a draft board, then you have your own. If you don't, you have your own opinion on these players, whatever. It's like, you know, they're, they should make moves based on their board and I will um, evaluate their moves based on mine. I do think that there's something to be said about not being overconfident in your evaluations. Sure. And I, I would, I would point to the Des Fitzpatrick pick. I would point to a team like the Raiders taking Cleland Furl at number four, um, taking taking um, Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Mm. Like, and this is something that I do kind of just in my evaluation of players. Like, if, if I watch a player, and let's say I, I watch someone, uh, Drake London, for example, I watched two games of Drake London, did my initial grade on him, was like a late third round guy, you know, whatever. Um, posted my initial top 50. There was a lot of like backlash to Drake London. I start, I look up some other boards. People have them as a first round player. My reaction is not to just like dig in my heels and be like, no, that's, that guy sucks or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, well, there's a lot of like smart people that uh, my evaluation is obviously incomplete. So let me uh, reevaluate. And if ultimately I end up with a third round grade and I'm the only person that has that low of a grade, I have to think, 
you know, there's a chance that I'm the only person in the world who's right about this player, but there's a better chance that I'm just not seeing something. And so it's like, yes, you kind of have to just, obviously you don't just draft off the consensus board, but you kind of have to have to think about it and do some self-evaluation. Yep. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And and that's uh, what I was trying to get at with asking that question. So um, that's, that's about it. I said that was the penultimate question, but the last one on the list is actually the, the one we started out with hot dogs for fingers and sweating tomato sauce. We've already answered that question, which was obviously the most important. So we did it first. Um, so that's the end of our show for today. Before you go, just a couple of reminders. we got more shows coming up this week. Tomorrow, we're going to have a very exciting guest with us sitting down for another interview in our draft interview series, Austin Gale. He's the director of content at PFF. He's going to be joining us. We're really excited to talk with him, so make sure to check out that episode tomorrow. And then later on, uh, maybe later this week, um, we're going to have the QB Top 10 episode. We're going to go through the top 10 QBs in this draft, according to James Foster of No Flags Film. Uh Speaking of No Flags Film, got to plug my man. He put out V2, if I'm not mistaken, of your yep. draft guide this week. Is that right? You've been spending many an hour working on that. Yes, sir. That's right. So go check that out. If you're not subscribed to his Patreon, No Flags Film on Patreon, YouTube, Twitter. Make sure you're following him across the board and go and, and pay for that Patreon and, and get all of that really fantastic information he's got for you on his draft guide he's put a ton of effort into it and it's well worth the subscription make sure they're following me on twitter at easton freeze and the show at the titans 10 bsm to get all of our show updates and for james foster i'm easton freeze we will talk to you soon